Hello, hello. My name is David Deberry II. I'm the co-CEO of Keys to Black Wealth. My name is Brandy Avery. I am also the co-CEO of Keys to Black Wealth. My name is Lamar Pugsley, and I am the CMO of Keys to Black Wealth. And I am Frank Cage, the CBO of Keys to Black Wealth. And we thank you all for listening to the Keys to Black Wealth podcast. Please enjoy the show and don't forget, take them keys. Hit that three way. We on a mission. We live in exactly how we say. We got a, a, a dope think tank coming up. I'm so excited. Yeah. All think tanks, we get to, you know, really get in the minds of the people that we are uh, interviewing and they're going to drop some keys for the attendees. So I hope you guys are ready. We got DJ Abizzy. He's going to cut a track after we end, after we bring them up. They're going to come on, do their thing. And uh, it's going to be uh, a great time. So get your pens, get your papers ready, and we are ready to get started. So I got to, I'm going to bring up the first First man right here. Uh, we already we got an alpha theme going on right now. So I dropped the one 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 nine oh six earlier with DJ OPZ. This is my fraternity brother. He's doing great things in the community. He's a consulting, got his own consulting firm. He's an investor. He's a mentor. You can catch him everywhere, giving keys to people in the community. DJ, cut a track for the awesome Mr. Mo Wright. Hey. hey! What's up, man? What's up? Hey, what's good, baby? Hey, hey! 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 I'm going with the next one. I get the pleasure, the privilege today to introduce a very, very good friend of mine. Um, <laughs> I see DJ Abdizi like, you know what? I, I want to cut it off. You know, he getting his zone. He getting his zone. <laughs> you can't shut him off. Anywho, I get the, prev- uh, the privilege and the pleasure of introducing a very good friend of mine, someone who's a good friend of my family, um, like a brother to me. Um, he is an absolute phenomenal uh, leader in our community. He has been doing a lot in the education system, and he's also an entrepreneur as well. So um, let's give it up. Give up those keys. Drop those seven uh, for Mr. Doc West. Where you at, brother? <laughs> Hey, hey, thanks for having me, y'all. Hey, hey. 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 There you go. Hey, 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 hey. We see you, Doc. We see you, Doc. Doc yeah, West yeah, I appreciate building. it. Turn up, y'all. Y'all don't even know what's about to happen. Y'all, hey. y'all better get y'all the ready. in the house, baby. We we represent Ohio in here. We know this is Global Summit, the All Ohio Think Tank. Hey, on this Think Tank. So I get the pleasure of introducing, last but not least, you know, she's like the big sister to the Keys of Black Wealth right now. Always dropping gems on us. Always supporting. She's always in the community. You're going to see her everywhere. I got a dope app out right now. I'm sure she's going to talk about everybody. Please drop them sevens in the chat. DJ Q is up for the awesome Tia Raimi. Everybody got their keys. Ohio. Ohio in the building. That's Tia's vibe right there. Just, you know, <laughs> All right, appreciate you, DJ. Busy, we'll catch you on the. Uh, we'll catch you later today, actually. All right. Yeah. So, 
Uh, we got a we got a dope think tank for you guys uh, today. So make sure you, like I said, got your notebook, books, pads, pens. They're gonna drop some keys for you guys. But before we get into the questions, one by one, I want you guys to talk about specifically, you know, what you do uh, professionally. I know you can wear multiple hats, talk about multiple hats, and uh, you know, just why you're excited to be on this platform, giving these keys to the people. So let's start with Mr. Mo Wright. Hey, what's up, y'all? So uh, good to be with you. Thanks, uh, Brandy and, and David, for, for having me on. So uh, this past Wednesday, I celebrated 17 years of the oldest company, which is Rayma Consulting. Uh, in a nutshell, what does Rayma do? Uh, we help people develop their talent within the organization. Uh, we help the community to engage. Uh, most of our clients are public sector, so we do a lot of public outreach and engagement work. And uh, we really work um, to help organizations build their strategic plan. So that's really the consulting firm. Obviously, since then, I've been able to leverage some of that um, wealth, I guess you'll call it, at least the, the, a couple of pennies I got to uh, do some additional investment. So I'm a, a managing partner in uh, Lifestyle Cafe. So if you haven't been by, it's a plant-based vegan restaurant, 891 Oak Street. Got to get the plug in for the local crowd. Uh, go by and see us at Lifestyle. Absolutely. Uh, many of you know our bars. We're an investor in that. And then I also have some real estate uh, opportunities as well. So. Really, consulting is the bread and butter, or has been the, the the flagship, and then we just kind of leverage leverage that and pivoted to some other opportunities to do more good in the hood, so to speak. Hey, good in the hood. If that ain't trademark, hey, we talk about trademarks tomorrow, y'all. So if that ain't trademark, you need to look that up real quick. Good in the hood. I just want to say real quick, if you are in the Columbus, Ohio area, check out Lifestyle Cafe. That's my favorite vegan restaurant. Those BLTs go hard. I just want to throw that out there. Those BLTs, yes, they go yes, hard. Man. Amazing chef. Shout out to Shanna. Yeah, shout out to Chef Shanna. She's dope. All right. Next up, Doc West, Mr. West in the house. Hey, 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 hey. Once again, hey, thanks, Brandy, as well. And, and David, I appreciate y'all. Um, it's an honor um, for me as well. Um, y'all know um, I'm born and raised here in Columbus um, as well. I'm trying to build our community up. Um, I've got, a, what, 24 years in the uh, with, with our youth. I'm working with our, our young people Um here in Columbus, just trying to build them up. And um, as me and Brandy have talked, really just uh, making sure that they understand um, the, the power and money and in their young dollars and getting them on that track. Um, so just trying to educate our youth um, and, and build our young our young people, especially our young men, especially in these times, um, really trying to work on the youth in between 18 and 24. Um, a lot of times we're talking about, you know, in our community, oh, at 18, we're going to get out. Um, that's the most vulnerable time. Um, in our in our young pe um, people's lives, and they have to really um, be built up and, and you know really um, make sure they're making good financial decisions within that time as well. So um, that's what I'm bringing to the table. Just working with our youth and, and keep trying to build into our young people. Love it. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Go ahead, take it away, Mrs. Tia Ramey. All right. So I am a marketing strategist um, that specializes in causes. Um, social media is one of my specialties. So uh, it's usually my job to figure out how to get uh, the word out about things that are plaguing our community to vulnerable populations. So right now, working on the 2020 census, uh, working on infant mortality initiatives and getting the word out about how to keep our babies safe. Uh, so these are some of the projects that we've been currently working on. In addition, I'm, I'm just an addictive problem solver. 
that's just me. I, I focus on a lot of business consulting and helping uh, helping black businesses get started and bringing ideas into fruition. In addition, civic engagement is just a personal passion of mine. So to your plug, I did design an app uh, that allows you to leave reviews for your local leadership, all these elected officials in office. Um, I say that facts tell, but stories sell. So I would love for us to go into the voter booth and read stories and find out who's been effective and who's not. So those are just some of the things that I do. We out here reviewing the politicians like we review food. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I don't like that. I like that. Like, no. Hey, all yeah. of y'all, all of y'all are dope. We're blessed to have you guys on. Y'all know the y'all know the rules. If y'all don't know the rules, we get each one of you guys a question. You got two minutes to answer the question. If you want to respond to each other, you got a minute to respond. We're going rapid fire. Then we'll uh, take some questions uh, from the chat room as well. Okay. Yes, yes. So let's get started and jump into it. I'll start first, David, if that's okay with you, brother. Um, so my first question, I'm going to bring it to Doc West and we're going to jump into it because I already know this whole panel can go. Um, so we want to get the keys out real quick. I want to talk to you a little bit, Doc, about the digital divide. So the racial wealth gap and the digital divide. I know you and I talked about this conversation a little bit as it relates to education and what's going on in our uh, our school systems. So let me set the stage um, for our listeners. We just had the uh, COVID-19 happen. They shut everything down um, all across the globe. The kids were sitting home um, and and my, what I saw with my eyes is I have um, a son who's in a suburban school district, and then I have a nephew who's in a public school district, right? So the son comes home with like the technology and all of that stuff. And then my um, nephew who was in a public school uh, district didn't have the Chromebooks, didn't have the ability to connect. So, I mean, essentially, I mean, you're talking about he lost out on 30, 60 days of education. So I just want to talk to you a little bit about from the education sector, and we think about the racial wealth gap and the digital divide and how that's affecting um, students and educations from your perspective and what's some of the keys, some of the things that we can do to kind of help um, with that closing of that digital divide as far as our education system is concerned and then making sure our students are not left behind. Yep, and, and definitely, um, Brandon, you bring up a good point um, and, and it comes uh, on, on a couple of different levels. You talk about... Oh, you went mute. There you go. You talk about um, public schools um, and then also suburban schools. But then there's there's some inequities in just the whole public schools. And I'm pretty sure that if everyone can um, sees that, um, you know, just from one school to another school, you kind of know what, na- you know, kind of in that that aspect. So even certain schools within within public districts still had more than others. Um when we did our polls, it was about maybe 30 percent of um, students, uh, you know, our black students were able to get their work done. And that's just, you know, so you're talking about um, 52,000 people in a district and only 30 percent of them were able to log on. So everyone didn't have Chromebooks um, for it. So, yeah, that, that that's there. And the disparity within money that comes to the schools. Um, yeah. So that that's there. But then how do we you ask me, how do we begin to to get around that? We knew yeah. it was there. Um, right. We have to start pushing more on our school boards. Um you know, when 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 Tia saying holding people accountable, I mean, how many times I mean, just asking folks, you know, and, and I would love to see it in, in, in the chat of 
you know, who, how many times have people asked for, you know, I really think that it should be uh, um, certain schools have already had it where it should be one-on-one soon as students walk in the door. Um, you know, I run a high school soon as they walk in the door as ninth graders, they should be um, assigned, especially we've already known that where the, where the, uh, the uh, technology realm has was going, every student should have that not kind of hit or miss. So I'll kind of get off right there. Hopefully I didn't go over time, but yeah. <laughs> That, it's that's all good. Where it's at. No, you're you're good. Um, so I guess hey, specifically, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Mo. The only reason I, I didn't want to leave, I agree with everything Doc said. I think the other piece, though, is when we talk about digital divided, we got to really ch- challenge our elected leaders and our, our utility companies about connectivity in the urban core. Because my office, for example, I'm sitting in um, on the edge of Linden, and I can tell you that. If my internet goes down, it's not because I have a raggedy router. It's because the connectivity in Linden, as an example, is not as strong as it is in some other communities. And so wow. it doesn't matter if they have a Chromebook, if they don't actually have internet in the house mm. when they get home. And so mm-hmm. I think it's twofold. One is making sure that the fiber is running to these communities that were traditionally neglected. But the other side of it is also making sure that at this point uh, in time, not having a connection to an internet uh, connection is 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 the, the new normal and it's, it's required of everybody to have that in order to be successful so we've got to start looking at that the same way we look at lights and water in the urban core and, and without those students having the internet connectivity they're still going to be behind so i just want to throw that into what no that that was actually a great call out because i think during the COVID crisis didn't they i believe i read that now internet was considered a utility so it's so funny mm-hmm. how um everything just kind of flipped just like now you can drink and drive now you know so you can order, <laughs> you can order drinks and just drive and drink and drive with right, internet. Right, right. but um you know the so internet is now considered a utility so that fit, that uh, speaks to your point as far as like the fiber uh connection and things of that nature, it should be a requirement to Doc's point when they first walk in the door to be able to connect students with this because we knew technology was coming down a pipeline. So that was a great call out. Yeah. So that kind of goes to, and then anybody can piggyback off of this, but Tia, you were talking about uh, the whole, you were the first person I really like got connected to that was talking about we need to start making more work from home options. Uh Work from home options for people and now traffic ain't as crazy as it used to be. Actually, could drive a little bit and all these different things, but that also, I guess, poses poses issues with kids in school and things of that nature. So, just give me your thoughts on, you know, just the whole tech movement and working from home and doing all of those things. Yeah, and I'll try to keep that brief. I, I think that we have to not only put pressure on our elected officials, but we have to also put that same pressure on the private sector as well to create these more feasible options. I mean, when you take mom and dad out of the home and they both have to work and able to have a sustainable living, then what do we think happens to our kids and the amount of attention and care they need to even have good grades or good education, good nutrition, adequate meals? I mean, those things are going to have some serious consequences. And then when kids grades are down and they're less engaged how do we think that looks for school districts and how does that look for our property value all these sort of things are connected so I think it was really important that we put the pressure on the private sector to create feasible solutions that are a win for everyone and when families are healthy families are good they're taken care of they can call off less Um, government you know doesn't need to spend as much money because you have more people that are employed with flexible working solutions you know then everyone wins everyone starts to save money. Uh, But I think that we really have to make sure that we put the challenge out there. And I do think that that's up to the millennials to really be able to do that and push the private sector and 
pitch those opportunities. And I will say to the business owners that are out there, if you've been a business owner for a long time, you know, listen, not not just listening to people who are higher up and those managers that are close to you. But this is a great time to ask people for ideas and innovative solutions for moving into a new regime and a new era of doing work, you know, put together those think tanks amongst your employees in all levels. People have ideas that they don't even know how to get through. And sometimes middle management gets in the way big time with uh, facilitating new ideas. Mm. Mm. Man, that leads us to Mo. That leads us to a Mo question right yeah. there, Mr. Consultant himself. Right there. Yeah. That was dope to you. So my question for Mo um, is, well, first of all, I want to talk about, because this is Keys to Black Wealth, we have a lot of entrepreneurs on board and you've been in the business. You just celebrated a huge milestone um, with your organization. I want to talk a little about sustainability because we know that typically when businesses first get started, they're gone in the first year. They're, they're gone. They're out the door. They don't get to sustain. So we've had some individuals on this platform who's been in the game, you know, 17, 20 years, you know, now. So talk to me a little bit about some of those key points that you've been able to implement to help your business sustain longevity over the, uh, the course of the last 17 years. Yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think it's a lot, Brandy, as you know, but I think as I, as I think back over um, the time, one thing I think that social media has done is made everybody um, get really focused on telling their story in a big way. And that is good if you are in certain disciplines. But the trap to that also is you get caught up on what you look like and you don't focus on building your business, making money. And so to me, quiet money is even better, right? <laughs> it, 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 to me, it's not about uh, I love the idea of being able to have and everybody not know you have. I love the idea of being able to make silent investments or somebody, some nonprofit comes to me and be able to, to put investment in. But I can only do that because early on in the company, I wasn't um, really, really focused on trying to be the biggest company out there. It was really about building it, getting it better, making sure we produce quality. And the people who know, know, right? You look at our social media, we don't have thousands and thousands of followers because really the folks on social media that will follow us are not really my customers, right? So I put more energy into making sure that the folks who know and, and, and can benefit from the services we offer, making sure they understand who we are, making sure they understand the value we bring to the market. And so I just think, you know, so part of the sustainability piece is in your quest to have effective marketing and communication, you got to also balance that with, am I spending the same amount of energy on the infrastructure of my business, being able to um, think through the strategic challenges without everybody knowing about it, and when you have a failure, are you using it as data and feedback and then reinvesting that energy back into the business? And all those things may be done without anybody ever knowing it. And so, again, because the thing, the thing about having a lot of people following you and a lot of people knowing your every move is they also see every pitfall. Mm. And so as a part of that, people stay in tune. So, you know, I would just you know, encourage people that, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a, a slow, steady start. And then you go on the trajectory. Because, I, you know, I just remember in our history, you know, the first five years of business, was not people. Raymond was not a household name. We didn't have that that, that kind of track record. But we built it slowly. We made the right relationships, and over time, that actually monetized itself until now. The right people knew who we were, and now everybody else is just gravy. So yeah, that's dope. There's a there's a whole there's a saying that goes uh, gangsters move in silence. So we're gonna coin that yeah. for you. Gangsters yeah. move. Somebody drop that in the chat. Tanisha, where you at? Gangsters <laughs> move in silence. You said that silent money like yeah, that. that. I wish I could have dropped that shish emoji like right there. Like yeah. somebody dropped it in the chat if you got the phone in your hand. All right. So we go we go forward to uh to doc. So I used to work in a school system and I started off like a substitute teacher. And I'll never forget this kid started dancing when I came in. Uh and he said that uh I was like, Why are you dancing? He was like, You the first black teacher we didn't had. 
And uh, so I was like, what? And I started thinking, like, I never had a black teacher either. And I know that's kind of changed a little bit in your school system and all that. But just talk about kids being able to relate to you. And then also talk about the, you know, you got the school, the state curriculum that you kind of got to follow. But talk about outside of that, how do you advise and mentor them outside of what the state, you know, sets up? Yep, and good. And thanks for your good question, man. And, and really, thank you, David. Because one thing we do is I can't do it alone. You know, Mo, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a get your information. Um, I'm, I'm gonna have Tia and anybody else. I make sure that I bring as many people in who look like our young people, and they share their expertise. Um, so you know, that's one of those pieces. So then, you know. Our young people and young people in general, you know, they're, they're they're highly intelligent, but they're 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 sponges and they're watching and they're they're learn they're wanting to know who they can trust. And once they start seeing your moves and how you operate, you know, as Mo was just saying, once kids can see, okay, this this is this is the right program, or that they're saying that what's right for us. Um, that's kind of what we do, you know, to how we relate. Um, you know. Me growing up in the inner city, just knowing a lot, a lot of, of just build relationships. We've been talking a lot just within, within what makes our, our school work, but it's building relationships. Um, but also when you talk about having a black teacher, my whole thing when I went to, to, to school was let me make sure I become a kindergarten through eighth grade teacher. And that was so important because I felt by ninth grade, I was kind of, you know, I kind of already made my decisions on who I was trying to operate with, who I wasn't. So I wanted to get to our young men, our young boys of color as quickly as I could. And I think that's what started building it. Now, my young men, I, I taught when they were thir- um, in third grade, they're 33, 34 years old. They'll walk through walls for me. So then when you, you know, when you start talking at being at influence, I'm still influencing them through social media, you know, through, you know, and, and I told young people, y'all, you're going to see me in your grocery store. You're going to see me in your community because I live right around the corner. So um, with that is just, you know, it's not like I live far away. They know I'm around the corner, you know, just staying in touch with them and telling them when they right and wrong. And one more thing, y'all just being that heavy role model, you know, and I'm not perfect, but, but making sure that I tell them about, you know, the decisions you have to make, why, why I don't show up at certain places, you know, just, you know, just really educating them kind of on my street smarts as well as, as their educator. Yeah. You know, it's just being real because you have to let them know. So it's just on that. And really one last thing, being at all their events is major. I'm like, shoot, I'm like their parents sometimes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's that's so crazy, Kyle. That's so crazy how Mo said my target ain't social media. But then it's like with the kids, I remember them all trying to request me as friends, like my first day on the job. I'm like, look, y'all ain't following me uh if I'm written outside of this school, but you gotta be relatable and no matter what uh you do. So appreciate that. So with the brandy ask that next question to Tia. Yeah. Yes. So Tia, um, let's let's flip it a real quick because we got to talk about this. Um, You know, this is Keys to Black Wealth. We got, you know, all of our people on. Um, 
talk to us civic civic engagement. So you operate in this space. Um, you already know, um, and as it relates to Black people and civic engagement, sometimes you know the theme is there's not enough. Uh, we've been sitting on these panels and talking to a lot of individuals, and everybody's like, you got to get out and vote. But there's an issue with voting, um, and Black people have a distrust, you know, as it comes to um, vote, voting. I know you're also working on the uh, 2020 census as well. So. First of all, let's break down some of those barriers as to why, you know what I'm saying, we need to get to the polls. And then also talk to us a little bit about the critical importance of your local elections and how we can utilize that to drive wealth into our communities. That's a loaded question. So I'll, I'll just start with the importance of, of voting on the local level. You know, these are the things that impact your life faster. You know, keep in mind, the government moves very, very slow. So the higher up it is, the longer it's going to take for a lot of those efforts to trickle down. OK, um, you're if you're only going to vote in a presidential election every four years for the president, that president may make a lot of changes, but it doesn't trickle down to your community for a few years. And that's just how it is. And even sometimes with the dollars. So it's really important that we engage. Uh, we don't think about our townships. We don't think about city attorneys. We don't think about uh, local judges. We don't think about the city council. We don't think about the mayor. I mean, these are the people who've had um, the power and the authority to make a lot of immediate changes. Even we talk about the police, you know, I mean, we have to think about these things, even if there is police reform. I'm just using an example. The question is, do you have the people in office that are willing to prosecute? Mm. Are they not going to put the politics, you know, before before someone's life, they could have done that. You know, are they in place? So we have to really think about who is in office. Now, what I will say is that we can't just vote. Uh, one thing that we are really underrepresented is, is when it comes to these public hearings, school board meetings, for example, like Doc mentioned, we are not going and we're not going to being there to sit in the room when these people are making decisions over our lives and they're asking for feedback. Now, one thing I have seen for elected officials, a lot of times the people who do go to city council meetings, people who go to school board meetings, people who go to legislative body hearings. Uh, they are very, <laughs> they're a lot older than me and they don't look like me. And then we wonder how <laughs> um, a lot of our policies reflect someone that may be old and white. Well, these are the people that are showing up and the squeaky wheel gets the oil. It's not enough for us to protest after the policies made. We need to be there in a mighty number as a force and show up and just be in the room. So there's just a power of being present in general. So what I encourage people to do is look up and find out who your representatives are, your local representatives, and know there's a difference between the state Senate and the federal Senate. You know, know the difference between the Ohio House and then Congress. You know, find out who on the local level is representing you. Set up a Google alert on your phone. Find out when they're meeting and put those meetings on your calendar. Oh. And so that way you can be watching. Plug their phone number and their email into your phone. Lock it in. Because on the other side, there's a lot of people who oppose your views that are in their face all the time telling them this is not what we want. And if that's all they're hearing, um, keep in mind that elected officials do not appeal to the massive public. They appeal to voters. So they already know that who their voters are going to be and what they look like by who's going to be in the room. So I just think that if even if you can just set up with a few neighbors, we say five neighbors and you go to a school board meeting and you're there on a weekly basis, those people are scared of those people. 
<laughs> they're like, why are you here? You know, um, <laughs> they're very much threatened by the people who show up and watch, you know, and that's just mm. a practice that we have to put in place as a people beyond voting, beyond going to the polls and then the census. And of course, and, and I get it, there's a lot of distrust, um, but it's, it's so important that we go to these things. And one thing I will say is, you know, when we do these civic engagement events, it's always the same black people in the room all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. this, it's, it's the same thing about 60 people that I know is going to go to every single event as it relates to civic engagement, whoever we already know who's going to be there. And usually the people that are there are not even the people who's really being impacted by the decisions that are being made. A good friend of mine says, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. So do not let these people make decisions over your life and you are not even in the room. Go be there. Watch and hold them accountable for what you've heard. Yeah, I love it. You said I heard another quote, either you're at the table you're, or you placed on the table. So either way, either way, I want to be sitting down. You feel okay. me? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Though. I love that key that you drop because um, I actually personally had never thought about doing that. Like, you know, putting their information, the, the schedules, you know, on my calendar and, and, you know, and showing up and stuff like that. I mean, I know that's something that we all have to get better at as a community is a con- and um, not letting our money control us, but actually controlling the money, dictating where the money is routed. And I know that that's critically important. Um, civic engagement. That's how we get the dollars in our community. So hopefully everybody took that key um, because that's a powerful piece to be able to get engaged. And that's something that you can immediately do and implement into your uh, current plan. Yes. Yes. So swinging it over to my brother, Mr. Mo Wright, we're going to kind of switch it up a little bit. Um, You know, you got a consulting firm. Obviously, people probably reach out to you for mentorship. You are an investor. You invest in the people like as far as like uh, consult, like as far as like mentorship and where you put your dollars, especially as far as investing in the people. What's some qualities that you like to tell people they need to have or should have or even make you interested in, you know, mentoring them, investing into their company or just that opportunity? In general, yeah. So I, th- I think it's different, right? So my uh, my my I guess my checklist for investment is very different than my checklist for mentorship, right? With a, a business I'm investing in, I expect it to already be a, a solid vision. I expect it to be a workable plan, um, and I got to believe in the the product. If it's not something I'm starting, then I've also got to believe that there is a need being met by this product or service or restaurant or whatever it is, right? So, you know, first of all, I think I got to believe in the concept itself. So, you know, and then you go through the, do you trust the leaders? I and mean, I've learned some lessons even recently about partnering and who to partner with and who not to partner with, right? Um, you know, luckily I don't, I try not to make investments where if they go away, I'm not going to be, you know, my, my kids are still going to eat, right? And so yeah. and that's what investment is, right? It comes with a certain level of risk involved, but the reward can be great. But at the same time, betting through, what partners look like, um, their mentality. If you want to start a business, for example, you want to partner with somebody and you all have never had an argument, you may not be ready yet. Because, ooh, you, ooh. because most of us believe, right? Most of us believe, hey, me and Doc are boys. We hang out all the time. We, we, like, to, we, know, we like to kick it. And so uh, we, we, got, we vibing over this idea and we start this business. And then one day something's going to happen where Doc believes one, one thing ought to happen and Mo believes something else. And that's where businesses start to fall apart, right? Because you right. never you, the partnership has not been tested, just like a marriage. The partnership has not been tested. Until it gets tested, you don't know how strong it really is. So I think the same thing's got to be applied to, you know, how do you all handle conflict before it, before it arises or something, you know, and have a process for doing that. Um, who can play mediator when you all are not seeing eye to eye is a 
critical step in that process. So I think from a business perspective, um, I kind of bet that, right? Do I trust the leader? Do I believe in what they're trying to put forward? And do I believe there's a workable plan? On the mentor side, and I had this conversation yesterday with a young man who asked me to mentor. And I'm a very hard mentor because uh, I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> and so what that means is you got to be serious. Right. Like, you know, if, if you're, and so I, because I'm a, I'm a leadership coach and I do some of that professionally, if I'm going to give away my time, to somebody, it's not about not wanting to help, but if I'm going to give you even an hour of my time, or even say it's an hour a month, it's got to be value added for both of us. And I get the value of being able to develop uh, people who want to do well, but you've got to be serious. If we talk about you having an assignment or something I ask you to go look into or get back or look at a resource and you don't do it, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed when that doesn't happen, right? And that takes down your credibility with me because what I know is that in the larger scheme, when I'm sitting in board meetings and with uh, CEOs across the community, they're listening to the folks who are serious. To Tia's point, they're listening to the folks who are showing up. And so if you don't, if you're not interested in trying to become more strategic, you're not interested in becoming more, more wealthy and savvy, um, and you just want to be able to say, hey, I know more, right? Let's just go have a drink together. But we don't need to be in a mentor relationship. <laughs> right. Not serious. So, you know, I just think folks have got to understand what mentorship is. And then you get deeper with it. Mentorship is different than, than sponsorship, which in some cases mm. you don't need just mentor. You need somebody to, hey, say, hey, you absolutely need to work with Brandy. I'm going to bring Brandy to the table. I'm going to make sure she gets connected to you. I'm going to follow up. So sponsorship is a whole different level of commitment. And so sometimes what people want is I just want access to your network. That's fine. Tell me who you want to connect with. I may sit and say, hey, you need to meet Doc West and I may get out of it. But if I sponsor you, I'm going, I'm going to the meeting with you. I'm doing the follow-up call because I'm invested in what it is will be the outcome. So there's different levels of mentorship too. And I think people miss that sometimes. Man, you just drop all kind of keys on us. I gotta say something, David. I gotta say something. I'm sorry. So two things. I know. I know the keys to Black Wealth co-founders is probably going ham, dropping all kind of sevens in the chat. Because when you was talking about partnerships and being in, it's like a relationship and a marriage and stuff like that. And like you don't get to see what goes on behind doors and like having the mediators. We have been there. We have done that. We play our role. So that's that's spot on. That's fire. And I do believe in that as well. When we first got started as Keys to Black Wealth, we did what's called the Founders Test, and everybody had to go through this. Um, this assessment, if you will, and self-assess. And then we have to share that assessment with each other and then, you know, be critical of each other and how you rated yourself in your assessment. So if you're saying you are excellent in this area, then like, I mean, show me how you are excellent in this area or if you're standard. So we, yeah, we went through that process. It's called the Founders Test. If anybody wanted, uh, email us. We can share it with you guys, the template for the Founders Test. We'd be definitely open to uh, sharing that. But we went through that process and that exercise. And I know a lot of people, when they go into partnership, um, they don't do stuff like that. They don't really critically assess each other. So I thought that was big. Um, the second thing I have to follow up with is um, how how should people approach individuals when they when they're seeking mentorship? What is that approach? So, hey, you know, I want to come to you, Mo. Um, what am I saying to you? Because I, we already talked about this throughout the weekend. That's a common thing. You know, mentorship is the fast track to success. How do we approach someone who we want to go in? Like if I want to go to you. How can I come to you and say, hey, I need you to be my mentor? Like, what, what do I say to you? Yeah, I want everybody to answer that question. Yeah, all, all of you guys. Absolutely. Y'all get y'all notepads ready because we need to know this. No, I think that's, that's a good question, Brandon. So the question I'm going to want to hear is, I want you to be my mentor for X, right? Because some stuff I'm not qualified to mentor you in, right? If you want to know how to connect uh, most effectively with young people, you need to talk to Doc, not Mo, right? And so I think... You doing the pre, and that's what I do. I send people back to the drawing board to say, all right, so what am, what am I mentoring you around? So the same, it works the same way when you're coaching people professionally, right? If I'm saying I'm going to coach David, I'm coaching David for a particular purpose. Maybe he doesn't connect with people. Maybe he needs to learn how to um, build relationships. Maybe he's not an effective communicator. Whatever those things are, we're coaching for a reason, right? 
for mentorship, although you can have people who can give you insights in a lot of different areas, the best mentorship is this is my uh, this is my mentorship around entrepreneurship. This is my mentorship around building my um, communication skills. This is my mentor around um, being more savvy in the community, right? But most of the time, all of us are not good at everything. So you really got to really uh, get clear about what are you asking for mentorship around. And then I may say, I'm not your guy, but I got somebody for you. And I think that's the most effective thing you can do because I, I can probably help you out in a number of areas, but it's more work for me, right? And it's more, I'm going to have to stretch a different muscle. So why not go to the person that comes, it comes naturally to, right? So if, if kids are one on social media, um, and, and that's what they really want to understand, how they build their social media presence, then don't talk to us because we have a specific niche in what we, how we do it. The more universal stuff may be somebody else. So I think that question of mentoring for what is, is critical and you got to be clear. So if you're coming to me, I'm going to instantly ask you that question. The second thing I'm going to ask you is, what do you really want? What do you really want? I didn't say, what do you want? I said, what do you really want? Because until you get clear about what it is you really want, then you don't know what kind of mentorship you need. Mm, and so people say, I want to start a business. I say, all right, what kind of business? Say, I don't know. I just want to start a business. You're not ready yet, right? So that's not what you really want. What you really want is you want to have some wealth of your own that you can control. Or you really want people to respect you as a leader in the community. That's what you really want. Mm-hmm. And when we get to the core of what you really want, then we can figure out the best path to coach and mentor you to get there. But until you get clear about that, so until you get what you really want down, that may take a full conversation to get there. But until you get that, we're not even going to have a sit-down meeting yet. And mm-hmm. I want you to be clear when you come in and talk to me what you really want, and then we can take off on the rocket ship. So that's my perspective on it. Love it. Got it. Tia, Doc, i love to hear your perspective on um, how do we approach mentors? What do we say to you? You know what? I'm, I, maybe this is a bad word anymore, but I'm a big fan of the, of the quid pro quo. You're not going to put me to work and I don't get to put you to work. So I'd rather you come to me and offer to help. And in exchange, I will help you, you know, come and take meeting minutes. How about that? You know, there's any little things you can do, because I think the hands on training is absolutely the best. So if there's something you're telling me you want to learn, then I'm going to teach you by demonstration. And then in the exchange, I'm getting some hands on help as well. So we're growing each other. Um, that's that's one of the best ways that I think to do it. I've seen people do all the time, offer to help. You know, you see an entrepreneur, someone that you admire doesn't mean that they've perfected everything. There is There are ways and there are ways we can contribute to one another's lives. Uh, so there's anything. Like I said, we can go to the meeting, just come and sit in. If you got questions about what you heard, let me know. We'll talk about it. And I give away enough free content, you know, uh, all the time where I can tell people where to plug in. You know, you can follow me on Facebook Live, whether it's Instagram, um, consultations, but come to me with a plan. And that's that's one of my requirements. I, what I really would love to hear is, Tia, I've got this written down. You know, can we talk about it? But, you know, to get somebody at that point where they're at zero and they just have an idea, that's the one thing I'm going to tell you to do is write it down, write it as a plan, and then come back to me and talk about it. I'm usually only going to get about maybe... 10% back <laughs> of the people who actually took that action step mm. and really took the time to think it through and plan it. I send them over templates, um, whatever they can to help them get it structured and tools. But to even start that mentorship journey, I want to I need to see that this is something that's been thought out because there's a lot of um, of 
of pressure and character that goes from that zero point to just say five, you know, a lot of mental barriers that have to be overcome. And if you're not mature enough for a mentor, someone to really correct you Um, or someone to challenge you on those ideas, someone to present data to you and say, hey, you know, you may not want to think about that because the data shows this, then I, I, I don't have the time to, to mentor the ego. I, I really need someone to be ready for that, that place. Yeah. Fire. Let's go doc. And you know, and wow. I mean, from what I just heard from, from Mo and Tia, um, it, it's a little different for me because um, I do a little bit of what Mo does because I'm in school with 800 young people every day um, before the COVID. So one more, I always say that I'm, I'm good at, at doing what Mo does. I connect people with, okay, if you want nursing. So I, I really listen a lot. I just listen to young people um, and, and just try to put, Exposed, you know, to me, education is exposure, um, just like this, this outstanding keys to black wealth kind. This is exposing a lot of, you know, knowledge so and, and information. So it's like exposing young people to the people they need to be around, to the information, to the meeting they need to go to um, and continuously bringing the right people around. Um, also, I try to, to mentor through social media because so many single, you know, just parents want me to um, mentor one on one. And, you know, my, my time is, 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 is thin. So I try to mentor through, um, as Tia said, through my social media, Instagram, through my Facebook, just um, continuously showing that I have ups and downs. This is how I handle them. This is where my strength comes from. You know, all of those things to, you know, and, and I love it because students still um, reach out, you know, um, and you're still encouraging them and they're in 25, 30 years old now. So that's kind of where it comes with, with, with my mentoring piece. Love it. Love it, Doc. Thank you again for taking care of our babies. I know you you all over the board. You got like a thousand kids out here. So. <laughs> way more than that. Yeah, yeah. Way more than that. Real talk. Yeah. Yep. So we're going to take some uh, questions from the audience and just uh, go rapid fire. Um, so this question is from Jeremy Wade from Tatia. Do you see micro content strategies as a feasible option for black owned businesses or social media as it pertains to building engagement and a community for educational systems or private sectors? As a micro content strategist, I think bit size info can empower a culture moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, I think that what's what's most important is that you set the proper expectations for micro content. You know, um, if you are trying to use it to educate and empower people, then you can always take snippets and it's great. And always say, try to make the biggest impact within three seconds that you can, because, you know, people you're asking sometimes people to make a big decision in a small amount of time. So make sure that you set milestones for what is this micro content supposed to do exactly? Um, Am I trying to get a sale out of this? Am I trying to sell a book or am I trying to lead somewhere someone somewhere else um, because I see a lot of people that go back and they review their analytics, they review their numbers and their stats and they wonder, wait, what's not working about this? Um, and most time is sometimes it's just the expectation. So social media and, and micro uh, micro targeting and marketing, it has a goal for it. And the idea is to get someone to something bigger so they can make the bigger decision there. It has to have um, good structure behind that micro content and able to make um we'll say to go from clicks to customers, so to speak, and and to get uh, the sort of impact that you want to get. 
Love it. Um, so another question was, uh, sorry, David, did you have something to add? I just was writing down clicks to customers. Right, right. C2C. So another question we had, everybody's asking about the founder's test. I guess that's for us. I'll answer it real quick. Uh, the founder's test is an assessment. So when you're going into a joint venture, um, we have a business partner um, and it's an, a self-assessment that you do on yourself. And then you also, um, you know, you know, get to, uh, the opportunity to analyze that self-assessment on each of your potential future business partners. Um, it's something that should definitely be done before you go into partnership. Um, as Mo Wright said, you got to really find out if it's a good fit, if it's a good chemistry, good connection. But the self-assessment is a critical analysis of uh, yourself is rating uh, certain things, certain qualities and skill sets that you have. Um, and then you, again, you get to analyze that of your potential business partner. So again, if you are, um, no problem at all. Um, again, if you are um, interested in the founder test we have the template um if you just email keys to black wealth at gmail.com give us to after this uh conference and uh, we can get that out to you uh to everybody who wants that um we're definitely open to sharing so hopefully that answered the question about the founders test yep yep so um so i mean we all can just uh kind of talk with each other and bye we got 10 minutes left uh in this just what's some uh your thoughts on uh the whole racial wealth gap. What's uh, and then we'll start with Mo on this. What's your uh, what's your thought? How can we close this generational wealth gap? Is uh, do you feel like it's more of a, a government thing? We need reparations. Do you feel it's more of a we got to come together and buy the blocks? How do you feel like uh, what's going to be our you know our best way to go about it um, to closing that gap? Yeah, I don't think, you know, David, I don't think it's one strategy. I think it's multiple. Uh, I think government has systematically um, not been kind to us in a lot of ways and in many ways have held down um, economic prosperity for our community for, for because of that. Um, they have some work to do in order to, to remedy some of that. Uh, but 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 on the other side, yeah, I think it is behind the, back, uh, the block. I think it is um, the new Black Wall Street. What does that look like? Um, and I was having this conversation with a local um, uh, pastor recently, and we talked about, you know, what would the Black Wall Street look like um, in, in a Columbus, right? And I think, you know, and I had all kinds of ideas about that, bad about what it can look like. But I think, here's what I'll say, you know, without going too deep, is that the moment is here, though. And this is where at no other time have I ever seen this lifetime where there are, everyone is listening um, to the voices of African Americans, and we can't we can't piss away this moment. Like we've got to really be intentional. Some of the work I'm doing now is about bringing leaders together to look at what that common agenda is. It's certainly wealth creation, economic prosperity, and wealth generation is a huge piece of that because if we don't get on the same page, the window's going to close and we're still going to be on the outside of the house. So at, you know, at some point, we've got to get clear about that. And so the more we can strategize, talk together, have conversations like this about collectively, what do we need to get done at a micro and a macro level and then who do we need in place to be able to do that? Right now is the window, and it's not, probably not coming back if we miss it. And mm. so I think this is the time we gotta get clear about what we want, and, and I think there's a lot of folks interested in that conversation right now. Yeah. Go ahead, you guys, go ahead, Tia. You know, I know you got a lot of thoughts, go ahead. What's uh, what's the best course of action? You, you know, Tia's not afraid to voice her opinion on social media. Follow her at <laughs> Tia Ramey on uh, Facebook. Definitely. Uh, 
Uh, you know, I, I do have a lot of opinions, but I'll, I'll share my top priority. And I think the health of the black family has got to be made priority number one. You know, when you have strong families, um, you have strong communities. And and we there's a lot of data that we know. And it's incredible how much the state and, and everyone has put resources in to find out that two parent households are uh, a fast track uh, to getting out of poverty. You know, that's that's incredible that we had to relearn that. Um, and so I really think it's so important that we learn again how to take care of one another, how to support one another, how to care about each other's dreams and goals, how to respect each other. Um, those right there would be immediate tips and tools for closing the black wealth gap. Uh, I say a lot of our problems are solved if we love each other a whole lot better than what we are right now. Now, of course, there are a lot of things externally that can be done, but I am not a fan of um, trying to solve my problem by making someone else do it. I, I focus on what I can do first. And that's something that I think that we can do. Um, one of those top things is we have to destigmatize conversations about mental health. That's very important. You know, we need our faith community to really, truly invest um, in the black community and to bring those resources back in, you know, make sure that you're not just attending churches that only hold services on Sundays. Find out what else are they doing to empower the community? Um, what else are they doing to uplift the community that you're in? So there's there's a lot of things that can be done. There's um, I agree with Mo. There are a lot of things that should be done. There's a lot of things that our government can do. Um, I would prefer that the government facilitates more public-private partnerships uh, because I think that the private sector just has more efficient solutions in their boots to the ground. So if they can be more supportive of nonprofit organizations that serve the community, they could be more supportive of the faith community that serves rather than they try to do it themselves and making it transactional. Um, I love to see people like Doc, you know, get some of the funding and support that they need because they know what these kids need. They're spending time with them. They're listening to them. Um, so those are the initiatives that need to be supported. And I think that all of us can at least find some sort of organization that supports our youth and education and, and make a commitment to donating um, time, money, resources, whatever that we need to help uplift those organizations that strengthen us um, and to help us uh, to, to really transform the situations that we may be in. And that would help out a lot because I've seen a lot of our nonprofits uh, fail or crumble because of the lack of support they should have had. And they were doing excellent work, but somehow government, you know, administrations change, priorities change, and now they've lost their grant and their funding, or it took them too long to receive a grant um, because priorities have changed. We, we need to really be the ones to support these organizations that are serving our kids. That's dope. That's dope. What you got? Yep, and that was my same piece as well. Just, you know, it was through education, um, majorly our, with our young people, you know. I um, mean, and as Mo said, you hit it's, it's so many different levels, but maybe from the, from Tia said as well, from my standpoint, what can I do individually? I can build young people up, I can educate them, I can bring in, um, you know, professionals, you know. David and B and talking about, you know, financial literacy because they need to know it at a younger age. Also, just education talking about as I even push my son 
starting his business, being an entrepreneur right now, even when he's young, just his whole mindset, you know? So it's like that, that mindset that we have to instill in young people and we have to do that. That starts, I mean, it, it didn't start when he was in fifth grade. It started when he was young. So when we have start having that mindset and having the right hand at the table, they're really understanding how, you know, how to build our young people up. So mine is strictly through that, that, um, um, financial, you know, literacy and education in school. Nice. So our last question, our last question, um, this has been phenomenal. Um, our last question is, uh, give us one last key for our participants, one last key to black wealth. Um, any last final thoughts? We'd love to hear from all, all of you. And uh, we'll start with you, Mo. Sorry about that. Uh, one final key, you know, I would just say just because of what's going on, decisions are made about you with or without you. And so I think the key is earlier point, we've got to be in the right room uh, and we've got to seize this moment because black wealth doesn't change in our community until black culture takes it there. And I think at no other time we're going to get that moment to um, to, to do it. Um, support black business is going to be kind of the subtext of that. Make sure you find a business that you can invest in and stop being so hard on uh, black businesses because you don't do it for everybody else. <laughs> you know what? Somebody get that man some keys. Where, where, where can people find you? Where can people find you at, Mo? If you want to be found, I know you. Uh, like I said, you move in silence and stuff. So, uh, <laughs> gangsters move. Yeah, follow. Uh, so, uh, Rama R A M A Rama Consultant on Facebook. Uh, Rama R A M A engages on IG and Twitter. Um, feel free to uh, to follow us, and uh, we we'll look forward to connecting. Definitely. All right. Doc, give us our last, uh, give us the last final key. Um, you know, just, just, uh, you know, it's hard because Mo has just been dropping so much knowledge. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mo. Um, but it's just, you know, really it's, it's that, um, my, my, my voice is going to be heard. Um, and, and really, and it's just pushing that on our young people and giving them the, the tools to, to fight and not fight with, with, with bats and chains, but fight with their minds. Mm. So that, that's my last piece to, to stick with the young people. Good. Perfect. And then doc, what's your social media or where can people find you if they want to connect? Um, I'm on doc West at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit everywhere. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you. And last but not least, the queen. <laughs> you know, I, I always say that um, I, I really think that we need to silence people who make their money and fame on telling us that we can't do anything for ourselves. Oh. Um, I, I, I really think that needs to be shut down real quick and we should stop tolerating it. You know, mm. uh, you have all the power, all the tools, everything that you need within you. Uh, you, you, we can't incentivize people for making their success off of beating us down and telling us that our only hope is that they solve our problem and then nothing changes after X amount of years. It's unacceptable. You, if you can't believe in the people, you certainly cannot lead them. So it's going to have to be up to us to to believe in ourselves and our own potential, the talent that God gave us, um, the resources that we have. I always ask people to take what's in your hand, what's in your hand, you know, and, and because that that right there is what's powerful it'll change your life if you know exactly what to do with it you know a basketball means nothing to me I can't play basketball but a basketball to LeBron James that's what was in his hand look what he's built with it so we shouldn't take advantage of the things that we have um, let's leverage them and let's ask people for mentorship and for patience and we should spend more time talking to people who believe in us uh, that's what we need 
Yes. Woo! That was fire. I feel like I might need like a little break or something after that. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Make sure y'all get the replay to hear all of that and yeah. replay it again. I did drop uh, their information in the chat. Please follow all these three and remember what they said. Hey, if y'all contacted them, contact them with a purpose and intentional. Don't just be saying hello unless you want to go get a drink with Mo. You got to catch them. But usually you got to catch them overseas or start traveling. He'd be everywhere, man. So Follow them, my man. You made that up on IG, all right? So once again, we appreciate all three of you guys uh, dropping some keys, taking an hour out of your day to really give back to the community, and we definitely appreciate it. And uh, we're honored and blessed to have you guys. So uh, I'm gonna leave you with our keys. All right, thank y'all, man. Take care. Yep. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of the Keys to Black Wealth podcast. Make sure you check out our website at www.keystoblackwealth.com where you can find our latest and new merch, ebook releases, and also event updates. Follow us on all social media platforms at Keys to Black Wealth. If you found the information valuable in what you heard, don't forget to rate, subscribe, review, and share with a friend. We on a mission, we living exactly how we say. You see that evidence?